quick one. If you can hit follow or subscribe to this podcast, that really helps me track new listeners. Cheers. This week, I'm going to review some key takeaways from previous episodes on the podcast. But as always, it's important to remember that like with any other episode, this should not be considered financial advice. The Wealth Journal is here for purely educational and entertainment purposes. Enjoy. Historically, stocks and shares have have delivered a lot of gains to to investors over the years, and it's been very, very lucrative. Millions and millions can be made on the stock market, and of course, millions can be lost on the stock market. But I believe there is a way for for people to limit risk and grow your wealth over the long term. Now, if you want to significantly grow your wealth, potentially you might have to take a little bit more risk than what you're usually comfortable in doing, but you can actually grow your wealth at a fairly consistent and moderate pace using stocks and shares. And I actually think that over the long term, and providing you've got a long-term time horizon, then your risk can be really, really mitigated. And we've talked about the risks of leaving your money in the bank for it just to erode away through inflation. Investing your money in in the stock market in general has been over time proven to be a, a very, I guess, consistent form of, of delivering returns for, for the investor. Now, a few weeks ago, I wrote an article on Medium. Of course, you can you can find me on Medium. I try, I try and share these on LinkedIn as well whenever I can. I've got two followers at the moment. So if you want to help me up that, then please do. I actually wrote an article that the stock market always goes up. And the headline was designed to try and get people to, to click on it and read because it is a little bit provocative in that sense. But essentially, that's true. The market has always gone up over time. If you look at a graph from when the stock market or the major indexes, from the beginning of time till now, they've always gone up relentlessly on an upward curve. So yeah, it does beg the question of like, how how is it that people lose money in the stock market? And I know Warren Buffett was asked this question a few years back, and I think he thought about his response, but actually he came to the conclusion is is that generally it's because people jump in and out of the stock market. They tend to buy when prices are high and then they sell, they panic when prices are low. So actually getting comfortable with that investing mindset is is very important, I believe, in order for you to be successful in the stock market. Most people are generally concerned about losing money. They're, they're more often than not risk averse. And there's also a handful of other reasons why I think people lose money in the stock market. One is because they invest with funds that they might potentially need in the short term. And if prices go down, they panic or they're forced to sell because they need to use that cash for something else. So I've recommended pretty much from the beginning of this podcast to try and make sure that you've got a bit of a pot of cash available for you for them general things that just crop up in life. Your car breaks down, your roof leaks, your boiler breaks, whatever it may be. Invest with your investment funds, not with money that you need in in your day-to-day life. And then you can sort of be a little bit more relaxed about the ups and downs of the stock market. Another way that I think people lose money in the stock market is because they tend to get caught up in stock picking or speculation. Stock picking is very, very difficult. There's people that are paid a huge amount of money to try and pick the best stocks that do tons of analysis. They have lots of people working for them to analyze the market trends, technical analysis, fundamentals of companies to try and beat the market. It is very hard to do and people do it. Don't get me wrong. There's people that make huge successful careers out of that and make a lot of money doing it. 
But if you think that you can just sit in your bedroom every night and pick the best stocks and beat the market, then it's probably going to be quite tricky. I know there's there's probably traders out there that can do that from from home um, and then fair play to them. But for the general sort of passive investor who's probably not looking to dedicate a huge amount of their time to it, it's very hard to do. So I think people can get burnt by buying stocks based on hype, buying stocks based on stock picks or tips that they hear from a friend of a friend. Um, Don't get me wrong, sometimes that pays off. But on the course, you know, over the course of the long term, it can it can be very difficult for just the average investor to outperform the market. And if you get caught up in trying to outperform the market, I think over the long term, it's going to be difficult for you to do. Another thing I mentioned in the article, and one thing that I would generally caution people on, especially when you're not a sophisticated investor, is that people can also get caught up in speculation and then also getting involved in things that they don't fully understand. This can be trading on margin, spread betting, leverage, all these sort of things that can potentially accelerate your losses, almost to the point where they become uncontrollable. So just be very you know, be very careful of those things when, when investing in the stock market. So how do you avoid them losses? Well, for me, yeah, it's making sure you've got that pot of money that you're comfortable to invest with and you don't mind letting go of it for the next five to 10 years. The next point is probably try and stick to the popular indexes at first. The great thing about investing in some of these popular indexes is that you generally get a broad sort of, I guess, diversified portfolio over the over the stock market. You're not focusing on one particular stock, one particular index or in industry, for example. So it, it spreads the risk over the over the stock market. And the beauty of these indexes is that over time they tend to be self-cleansing. And this is a this is a term I got from a chap called JL Collins. Now he's been studying the markets for, for many years and his goal initially was to try and build an investment pot for his daughter. And he's he's produced a huge amount of content over the years and um he used this term self-cleansing indexes and they very much are. You take the S&P 500 or some of the popular indexes in order to to be listed as as you know within the S&P 500 you have to be a, a top performing company. As soon as companies there are no longer almost meeting that criteria they generally come off the S&P 500 and get replaced by companies that that do meet the criteria. So you can almost have the confidence when investing in them indexes that you are almost investing in the in in the best the best of the best stocks really and they'll continue to to self cleanse and an update over time. I mean, recently, um, I think just earlier this year, or maybe, yeah, I think it was earlier this year, uh, Tesla became uh, part of the S&P 500. So obviously a fantastic company. So yeah, indexes have that self-cleansing property to them as well. So you can you can re- invest into indexes and be fairly relaxed that the market forces will naturally just keep them indexes uh, current and um, hopefully working in your favour. Now, I do want to caveat that I'm not completely against picking your own stocks, but what I will always suggest is that you understand and you do your own research around a particular stock. Yeah, you might get a tip from a friend who you think has done their own research and you're happy to sort of follow through on that. But yeah, picking your own stocks, it can be, you know, a time consuming process, but also enjoyable if, if that's what you're into. And I always try and think about, you know, do I really understand the company that I'm in, that I'm investing in? Have I, have I been a customer of that company? Do I have an affinity to the brand? Do I understand their financial performance? Have I read their annual report? 
What's the management team like of that organization? What is their future potential, their long-term strategic goals? Do I do I believe that they're relevant to today, relevant to the future? Have a look to their balance sheet. Am I I'm happy with the balance sheet, the relations between their assets, their liabilities, their cash on hand? All these factors come into play when picking a stock. What's their moat? Do they have a network effect? Some of these things that can can tip it uh, tip the balance over the edge in terms of will I invest in them? And if I, if it feels like I'm talking a complete different language to you at this point, then that's fine. And maybe, maybe that's an indication that picking stock right now might not be the right thing. So I do think a lot of time and effort can go into stock picking. And yeah, it can be very rewarding and actually, you know, quite enjoyable as well. And I have picked some stocks over the time and I've had some positive performances, but I've also had some negative performances. So I'm just recommending exercising caution when it comes to picking stocks. I'll give you an example when I made a stock investing mistake. I guess the Wealth Journal is about me being honest and being transparent with some of my experiences. So yeah, here's one for you. Probably about 10 years ago, I started to invest in the stock market. I set up an account on Hargreaves Lansdowne and I think I'd just returned from a trip to America and I was very much interested and excited by Abercrombie & Fitch. Now, remember the days when people used to head over to America and come back with pretty much covered head to toe in Abercrombie & Fitch? Well, it was around that time. And I'd been out there, witnessed the queues on Fifth Avenue of people trying to get into Abercrombie, the models on the door, the amazing smell of the store. And I was like, wow, this this place is incredible. And I think at the time, I don't know whether we, I don't think we had one in the UK at that point. Um, But there were certainly plans for the company to, to expand internationally. And I was like, oh, yes, this is this is the next big sort of thing. They're going to go, they're going to go parabolic in terms of stock. So I bought into Abercrombie and Fitch and I think at the time the share price was around about $80 a share. I probably bought one share, um, maybe, maybe two. I can't quite remember, but that was it. I mean, that was, that was the research I did. I went to the shop, <laughs> you know, that's all I did. I went to the shop and I bought a shirt and I was sort of sold by the whole Abercrombie and Fitch brand. A few of the models spoke to me. That that was all I needed. Um and that wasn't that wasn't research. I just went off a gut feel and a hunch. And it was a bad decision. Pretty much since I bought them, I watched the stock price almost hourly just gradually start to fall and fall and fall. I think to the point where they got to around about sixty dollars a share and then I sold. I panicked and sold. I had all my money just in one stock. So yeah. I, I, it wasn't a, a pleasurable experience. Um, but then I've, I've just, before I started recording the podcast, I thought I'd have a quick look at Abercrombie and Fitch stock. I think the stock's around about $40, but I think it went as low as 10. So me getting out of 60 actually probably wasn't, it wasn't too much of a bad thing. But yeah, I didn't know anything about the company. I didn't actually research the organization at all. I didn't, you know, really foresee probably where that trend was heading. It wasn't, you know, a trend that we, you know, they sort of, um, I guess, collegiate, US collegiate preppy style that they were um, very much into wasn't something that really lasted. The company had quite a lot of issues as well with how they treated the staff. There's a lot of lawsuits against them. So there was a whole sorts of um, indicators as to why they weren't necessarily a bad pick. So yeah, I made a huge mistake in Abercrombie and Fitch and had all my investment pot pretty much on one stock. And I think since that experience, I've um, I've started to probably invest in 
one indexes, but also a few different companies to, to, to spread the risk and try not to just look at the stock on a daily basis. 